Thanks for listening to another leadership podcast from Pastor Jurgen and the team here at C3 San Diego. To find out more about our church, go to c3sandiego.com. Genesis, uh, Deuteronomy, sorry, 26. And it says this, Deuteronomy 26. It says, and it shall be when you come into the land which the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance and you possess it and dwell in it, that you shall take some of the first of all the produce of the ground which you shall bring from your land. I want you to notice there it says you shall take the first. Shall take the first, not what's left over, not once you've kind of gone through the ledger and deducted what it cost you and, you know, what it cost you to set up your home. And if there's anything left, then give that. It says, bring the first, bring the first. You always know where God is in your life by what you do with the first. You'll always know where God is in your life by what you do with the tithe. Jesus says, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Don't ever think that honor is just lip service. The Pharisees honored God with their lips. They publicly honored God with their lips. Jesus said, they honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And your, your actions reveal your heart. Your actions reveal your heart. And so you shall take some of the first of all the produce of the ground, which you shall bring from your land that the Lord your God is giving you and put it in a basket and go to the place where the Lord your God chooses to make his name abide. And you shall go to the one who is, the, who is priest in those days and say to him, I declare today to the Lord your God that I have come to the country which the Lord swore to our fathers to give us. Then the priest shall take the basket out of your hand and set it down before the altar of the Lord your God. And you shall answer and say before the Lord your God, my father was a Syrian about to perish and he went down to Egypt and dwelt there few in number. And there he became a nation, great, mighty and populous. But the Egyptians mistreated us, afflicted us and laid hard bondage on us. Then we cried out to the Lord God of our fathers and the Lord heard our voice and he looked on our affliction and our labor and our oppression. So the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and with an outstretched arm, with great terror, with signs and wonders. And he has brought us to this place and has given us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And now behold, I have brought the first fruits of the land, which you, O Lord, have given me. Then you shall set it before the Lord your God and worship the Lord your God. So you shall rejoice in every good thing which the Lord your God has given to you and to your house and you and the Levite and the stranger who is among you. And it goes on. So just in those 11 verses, I just want to give you six things that I found as I read that, that kind of um, really encouraged me that these are six things that have become uh, culture things in, in C3. They become culture things. And I was so, so... Uh, you know, in heart, and I was so encouraged as I read this because I thought, man, these are the things that have become intrinsic to our values. So the first one was uh, faithful, that God keeps His promises. I want you to notice that, they, that He brings a basket. You, you find that, you know, we, we always teach on giving. So he brings, he brings a basket of the very, very first produce of the ground. And He brings it to the priest in the place that God has designated where His, his presence abides. And then He says, God has been faithful. God kept his promises, that God had, had brought us into this land. And so the first thing I'm going to do now that I've stepped in the promise, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to bring an offering to God. But it, but it wasn't just the offering alone. It was an offering with a rehearsal. 
He says, God swore to our fathers that he would bring us into this land. And right now I'm, st I'm living the dream. I'm standing and I'm bringing the fruit, the evidence of the faithfulness of God in this land. So, so we preach that God is a faithful God, that God is a promise-keeping God. And can I just tell you, it's so important for you and I on a regular basis to, to acknowledge Acknowledge in your life, acknowledge in my life the faithfulness of God. Because too, too easy, we get, we get so distracted with the, you know, the speck on the windscreen, the crack on the windscreen, the dead bug on the windscreen, that we miss the entire big picture of everything that's going on. And, and look at the context. Sometimes it can be just, well, I just lost my job or you know, I twisted my ankle and the pain of that now clouds everything else out. And we forget the goodness of God. We forget how we went from where we were to where we are today to acknowledge that, to reflect on that, to give thanks on that, to honor God, to bless the Lord, and to understand that whatever God says, He does. Whatever He promises, He fulfills. Whatever He promises, He fulfills. I, I, I honestly reckon that it's, it's a really healthy thing for every single one of us to on a regular basis, you know, we encourage everybody to have a journal to in your journal write down the promises of God. For the Lord is good and His mercy endureth forever. And you'll find that, that if, if you are constantly writing down the, the things that God has done and the, the promises that He has kept and when He spoke this word and when He gave you that word and then the fulfillment of that word, you will find your heart will swell. Your heart will overflow with praise. Your heart will overflow with worship. Your heart will overflow with devotion. It makes it very, very difficult for the enemy to seduce a heart that is devoted to God, that is thankful to God, that is grateful to God, that is reflecting and, uh, and literally echoing the goodness of God. It's so important that we do that. And so here, that's the first thing that, that God says to, to the people need to do. They need to just, and I just reckon that sometimes, you know, the first things are first. In the book of Revelation, God says, I've got one thing against you. One thing against you. You have left your first love. He says, you've got all this stuff. You've got wine and oil and abundance and you're prospering. You hate the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate, says the Lord. He says, you've done all this stuff and you've acquired wealth and you've become great and you've got fame and you've got influence. He says, but one thing I have against you, you've left your first love. And it's so, so easy to get caught up in all the busyness, in all the trappings, in all the doings, in all the taking of ground, in all the binding of devils, in all the getting into the schools in, you know, East County and the assembling of teams and in the, you know, going through the line items and the production and making sure I've got a spirit of excellence. And it's so easy to get into all of that and leave your first love. And leave your first love. And the first thing that God has here is that the pathway back to the first love is reflect is reflect again. I found, you know, whether it's, whether it's my relationship with God, whether it's my relationship with my spouse or even my relationship with my kids, it's very, very hard for, for, for you to stay angry. When I remember my, my little one, when they were born, the first moment they were born, you forget about everything else. You know, when the dog is chewing on a toy and you want to, and, uh, or and you, it was a toy and now it, it was actually my shoe and it's a toy or it's one of my, you know, and, uh, and you want to, and then you remember as a little pup when you rescued that thing and you're like, okay, I don't want to kill it just now. And, uh, and, and, it's, and it's just so important, so important. I found that, you know, 25 years of marriage to beautiful uh, Pastor Leanne, it's made it easier. It's so much easier. Like I'll hear a song on the radio and I'll remember 
my, my little 16-year-old at 21 Taylor Road, Albion Park, and me riding my little push bike, you know, to go and, you know, spend the afternoon with her and, and uh, buy her a little bounty bar, which was the same as, what are they over here? Almond Joys, you know, and that was just, because I was a Bible college student, and it was, you know, and, uh, you know, do, uh, weekends where uh, Leanne could type because she was learning secretarial skills, and so she would type my, my Bible college assignments up, and, and uh, it was awesome. We got to hang out together. I got to get my Bible college stuff done, and, and uh, there was a few little moments where we took a break, and, and I fell with my lips onto hers, and, and, uh, but just remembering all of those, remembering all of our, our first times in our remember that song, remember that thing, remember that thing. It's so important to go back and acknowledge and remember those things. So just understand that if in the book of Revelation, if a church could have this incredible fame and incredible success and yet lose or leave, it doesn't even say lose, it says they left their first love. And sometimes you don't even realize that you've left it. Oh my gosh, where did I leave my... You don't even realize you left it. You're just so busy, so distracted with other things. Martha was distracted with much serving. But Mary sat at the feet of Jesus, and Jesus said, Martha, Martha, Marcia, Marcia, Marcia. And uh, you are troubled about many things, but Mary has chosen what is best right now that to again just sit and get your heart right with God. Very, very important. So that's number one. Number two, uh, I, I love this one, strength. So the first one is faithfulness. Strength is developed in difficulty. Have a look, have a look what it says. It says, when, the, when he brings it and he meditates on God, in verse 5, he says, And you shall answer and say before the Lord your God, My father was a Syrian about to perish, and he went down to Egypt and dwelt there, few in number. In fact, there were 70, 70 Israelites that went down to, to Egypt. Remember, Joseph went down first. And then because of the f severity of the famine, the, the, the whole family came down, and there were 70 of them all together. Seventy went down to Egypt, and the Bible says they were few in number, um, and uh, there they became, or he became, a nation, great, mighty, and populous. Now, I thought, isn't that interesting? There they became a great nation. They became a great nation in a place that was difficult in a place where they were foreigners, in a place where they were strangers, in a place where they were afflicted, in a place where they were made slaves, in a place where they took their children and threw them into the river, in a place of oppression, in a place of persecution, in a place of affliction, in a place of difficulty. That's the place where they grew and became a mighty nation. You know, I, I love the fact that, the, that we don't preach a sugar-coated Christianity. We, we preach that you will find that God develops you in the deserts, that God doesn't take you around the mountain. He takes you through the valley of the shadow of death. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. God takes you through the waters. He doesn't take you around the waters. God says, when you go through the waters, you will not be drowned. When you go through the flames, you will not be burned. For I, the Lord your God, am with you. I make rivers in the desert, streams in the wilderness, which means that God is taking you through deserts and He's taking you through wildernesses, experiences, the problem is our flesh hates those things. Our flesh hates difficulty. Our flesh hates challenge. Our flesh hates those things. But I found that it was, you know, it was our, my formative years anyway. Those, those first years in ministry in, in New Zealand that, that, you know, prayer wasn't just a nice thing to do. Prayer wasn't just, you know, supporting my pastor. 
well, you know, pastor's got a prayer meeting, so I'll turn up to the prayer meeting. It's the, it's the right thing to do. I found that if I didn't pray, I didn't eat. I found if I didn't pray, you know, we didn't have, we, so I had to learn how to pray. And then I, then I learned that, that prayer wasn't just, you know, saying, uh, you know, nice little, nice little words into the sky. That the, the prayer was warfare, that God responded to prayer. But it wasn't the prayer of sincerity. It was the prayer of faith that saved the sick. I found that I, found that I had to learn in prayer that nowhere did Jesus ask God to intervene when someone was, was oppressed by the devil. You, you never find Jesus saying, Father, I pray that if it be thy will that... This lady who's been bent over for 18 years by Satan. Lord, we, we just ask that you know. He just says, woman, thou art loosed. He says, the demon has gone out of you. Come out of him. You know, come out of the, the, the gathering. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus understood that there was a dimension of authority that belonged to the sons, that belonged to, to the Son of God, that belongs to you and I, there's a level of authority. And I'd have learned very, very quickly that, that praying pious prayers that, that Bible colleges teach don't cut it in the real world. And so I had, to, I, I had to kick to the curb what didn't work and had to go back to the Scriptures to find out what did work because I'm telling you, if, if, if it didn't work, we didn't eat. If it didn't work, we didn't make... I remember when, uh, when Geordie was born, our, our firstborn, and uh, we, we got, you know, basically, we, we were told by the bank, we'd already moved into the house, you've got you to move out because we can't, we will not give you a mortgage. You don't earn enough at $18,000 a year, or I think it might have been $21,000 a year before tax. You don't earn enough for a mortgage, and I've got a brand new baby, and I've got Leonore ripping up the carpet and tearing off the wallpaper in the house. And I'm thinking, how do I tell? And, you know, that was, that was where clever little Bible college prayers don't work, and, and I couldn't go to a man. We didn't know anybody. God had moved us from, from Sydney, Australia to, to Auckland, New Zealand, so it wasn't like I had family there. It wasn't like I had friends there. And the church that we were in was, was in, a, in a very, very low socioeconomic area. It was full of poverty. So what you and I would look at is, man, there's not even a rich person in the church who could cut him a check, who could, you know, bring some relief, who could help out with the deposit. There was nobody. I had to go to God. I had to go to God. And so some of us may look back and say, well, you know, man, you know, where was God in those moments? Or, man, I don't understand why God took you through the difficulty. Well, I do. I look back and I wouldn't change one second of that time because our faith to get Desconso and our faith to get this building right here on the freeway, our faith to buy South Campus, our faith to buy two buildings up in Bressy Ranch, our faith to go east is, 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 is the, the, the fruit, is the byproduct of the battle back there. Most people don't want to go through the battle, but the, to the victor go the spoils. To the victor go the spoils. And you may be ruining the fact that God is taking you through a battle today. God never takes you through a battle to cripple you. He takes you through a battle to develop strength in you. They went into Egypt. They went into a place of oppression, of racism, of hostility, of slavery, of affliction, and of violence. They went in weak and little, and they came out mighty and strong. It's what God does. It's what God does. That's why James says rejoice when you face various trials and tribulations because what it is producing is better than gold. You can't buy it. You can't get it from Harvard. You can't get it from Yale or Oxford. You can't get it anywhere. The only place you can get it is in the Bible College of Life 
in the wilderness experiences. God is developing you. You ought to thank God and kiss God and bless God whenever He's taking you through a trial, through a challenge, through a difficulty. When people are cruel, when people are oppressive, when people are afflicting you, take go, rejoice because God is putting strength on the inside of you. Strength is never developed on the couch. How did you win the gold medal? Well, I sat on my sofa eating corn chips, binge watching Netflix. There's not one gold medalist that binge watched on Netflix eating corn chips on the sofa that stood on the dais saying, this is how I won the gold medal. They all went through difficulty. Somebody say amen. Oh, all right. Number three, number three, he is a God of deliverance. The Bible says, have a look in verse six. It says, but the Egyptians mistreated us, afflicted us and laid hard bondage on us. Then we cried out to the Lord, verse 7, the God of our fathers. And the Lord heard our voice and looked on our affliction and our labor and our oppression. So the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand, with an outstretched arm, with terror and with signs and wonders. God is a God of deliverance. God is a delivering God. You know, the Bible says that uh, in John 10, 10, that the thief comes to kill, steal and destroy So you're always going to find that there is a power at work in the earth, in your world, in our world. Jesus was describing the atmosphere. Jesus was describing more than the culture. He was describing the spiritual influence behind the culture. He says, the thief cometh to steal, to kill, and to destroy. You'll find that theft, you'll find that murder, and you'll find that affliction, nobody has to teach. It's just just prevalent. It's just present in our culture. It's just present all around the world. He says, but I've come that you may have life and life more abundantly. And so you will find that there are seasons where the enemy comes in like a flood. But the Spirit of the Lord always lifts up a standard against him. And what I've found is that, that what we teach is normal. Is Normal in the kingdom is prosperity. Normal in the kingdom is blessing. Normal in the kingdom is that you have a great marriage. You have a great family. That you walk in divine health. That you, that you walk in favor. That's, that's, that's the normal place. Now, if that's not happening, then there, are, then there are demonic forces that kill, steal, and destroy that you need to understand. There's some stuff I've got to take care of. There's some stuff I've got to deal with. There's some, there's some prayer and some fasting I need to do to deal with this stuff because that's God's normal. God's normal is for you to prosper. God's normal for you is to be the head, not the tail. God's normal for you is for you to abound. God's normal for you is to flourish. God's normal is for you to increase. God's normal is for you to have peace. God's normal for you is to have great marriage, great relationships, great friendships. When those things aren't present, there is something busted. There can be something busted around you. There can be something busted within you. Because, you know, we're our, we're our mama and papa's sons and daughters. So, so don't ever think that, that, that you and I don't carry the dysfunctions of the previous generations. The things that put ceilings over their lives are, are, are resident on the inside of you. And we believe that God is a God of deliverance. I can't tell you how many times. I mean, I got deliverance again this year with, with Mikey Connell. You know, with some encouragement from my, my beautiful bride. She's like, you really need to get this dealt with. I'm like, what? I don't know if I want to get that dealt with. And uh, she's like, you got to. And, uh, and so I asked Mike to pray for me and got delivered again. I'm like, man, I'm the pastor. I'm 50 years of age and I'm still getting delivered from stuff. And, you know, and God's like, well, I just thought I'd go light this year. And it's like, what the heck? And, uh, but it's so important. I don't want, any, I don't want anything. I don't want anything living in me that, that came down generationally 
that is going to put a ceiling. Because when I look at, at where, where they went, your, your job and my job is to stand on the previous generation's shoulders, to see further, to do greater. But understand the very, very things that put ceilings over them are resident and evident inside of us. You got to deal with it. You got to deal with it. You know, Adam and Eve, the first thing they did was they hid stuff. They, 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 they became, they sewed fig leaves together. We have become very proficient. 6,000 years of human history. We've become brilliant at turning fig leaves into fake facades. Oh, blessed and highly favored, Pastor. We can, we can wear all kinds of, you know, outer garments and make things look more rosy. And we can, you know, we can spray paint stuff. And, and uh, don't do it. Don't do it. Go for authenticity. God wants to deliver you. God wants to deliver you. God wants to deliver you. And then it says this, number four, is that, that God d- doesn't just deliver you from. He takes you to. He doesn't just deliver. They said the Lord delivered us from the oppressor. He delivered us from slavery. He delivered us from Egypt. But he took us to a land flowing with milk and honey. You need to understand that God doesn't just deliver you from demon possession. He doesn't just deliver you from being oppressed. He doesn't just deliver you from fear. He doesn't just deliver you from lust or greed or nightmares or, 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 or relational dysfunctions. He doesn't just deliver you from addiction. He doesn't just deliver you from alcoholism doesn't deliver you from he delivers you to he takes you to he takes you to the bible says he took us from the kingdom of darkness and has translated us to the kingdom of light the kingdom of the son of his love he takes you to a land flowing with milk and honey he takes you to a place of peace he takes you to a place of power he takes you to a place of freedom he takes you to a place where you've got so many friends and so such a great marriage and such a great he takes you to don't just settle to be he didn't just kind of get them out of Egypt and say, well, you're on your own now. Hope you guys make it. Good luck. Touch wood. Here's a little rabbit's foot. Hope you guys get to Canaan. He was with them in the wilderness. He took them through the wilderness. And then when they were crossing the Jordan, he says, the Lord will cross over before you. He says, and every man that stands against you, I will take him down. No giant, no man shall be able to stand before you. But I won't drive them all out straight away because the wild animals will be too much for you. Let them keep killing the wild animals. We'll just, we'll just take them out one, one step at a time, one step at a time. Sometimes it's easy to get overwhelmed by all the crap that's going on in your life. God, just, just, just deal with one at a time. I, 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 see, I see the garbage. I see the enemy. I see all that kind of stuff. We'll deal with them one at a time. But I will deliver, the, I will deliver you from them all. Amen. I will deliver you from them all. God's will for your life is complete freedom, complete peace, complete blessing. God, that's God's will. Number five, it says, uh, let's go down. I think it's verse 10. It says, and now behold, I've brought the first fruits of the land, which you, O Lord, have given me. Then you shall set it before the Lord your God and worship before the Lord your God. Can I just say that worship is the main event? I've been in churches and God bless them. And they say, you know, now it's time for the main event, the preaching. And then they introduce and I'm like, ah, don't teach a church that. Worship, can I just tell you, worship isn't the packing peanuts that fill a box. You know, when you get a box of stuff and it's full of those packing peanuts that you kind of get rid of to get the 
A lot of people think that worship is the packing peanuts. Worship's not the packing. What are you talking about? It's all about worship. Michael, Michael Pitts' message a couple of years ago. The issue is worship. It's all about worship. It's all about worship. Lucifer went downhill when he stopped worshiping. Beware the heart that doesn't worship. Don't go into business with somebody that doesn't worship. If you're married to someone and you see they're cold or distracted in worship, your marriage is in trouble. The most powerful thing that you can encourage your spouse to do is to worship the Lord. If they will worship the Lord, they will treat you like a prince or a princess. But if a heart drifts, if a heart drifts, as soon as you stop, the most important thing is worship. The most important thing is the engaging of heart. That's why Pastor Andrew and the team work so hard. They work so hard to make sure that every Sunday, every Sunday we have the best musicians and the best singers. They rehearse every week to, to you know, the song selection, everything to bring you and I into the presence of God, to bring, us, bring you and I into an encounter. There are Honestly, there are times where I'm like, oh man, just keep it going. I don't even want to preach. I just want to stay here. I just want to stay in this atmosphere, want to stay in this environment, want to stay in this presence. I find that, that sometimes, and don't, 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 don't think that, you know, from the very, very first note, you've got to immediately be standing in glory. Honestly, I've, I, I've become this. If I just, if I just, she, Bubba didn't say that she held onto Jesus's garment for an extended length of time. Until the, it was an instant. She, 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 and she instantly, Jesus stopped and said, who touched me? I felt virtue. Li-. It was just, it was just a second. And I found, I found that sometimes the first song just, just helps me clear out the cobwebs of, of the week and all the residue and, you know, just the stuff that settles on you from, you know, and you're still thinking, did I even close the garage door? You know, you got all this stuff. And then, and then by the second song, you're like, yes, that's right. God's good. Yes. God is awesome. You know, and then the third song, you know, you're, you're now going, moving from praise into worship. And, and I just find if I, can just, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made well of my affliction. If I can just touch, just, just for a second, just, just for a moment, if I can just, I only need one touch. I only need one. Now, it's awesome if you get two or three, but if, if I can just get one, just one, just lines my heart again. Worship is the main event. Worship is the main, number, number six, I think it is. The last one, number six. I love this. Have a look at verse 11. The, uh, the, new L- the NLT, the New Living Translation, has it a little bit different. It says in verse 11 in the New King James, so you shall rejoice in every good thing. The NLT says, so you shall celebrate. You shall celebrate every good thing the Lord your God has given you. You shall celebrate. And, uh, and when I read that, I thought, oh, my gosh, because I used to feel so guilty. They were always celebrating with a kind of the party church. And, you know, I admit it, we like good food, good friends, good wine. You know, like, and, and here God's like, go and celebrate. Absolutely, it's right to celebrate. Be, beware of the, always the religious, serious. There are people going to hell. Oh, crap. If I was more serious, there'd be less people going to hell. You're going to hell whether you're serious or whether. That's right, yeah, that's right. That's it. Honestly, 
There were people going to hell before I drank my, my Pinot. Is there a little correlation here? <laughs> you know, it's like, my Pinot's got nothing to do with. <laughs> let, let me say this, you know, because uh, I am out of time. I, I do feel very, very sad for the Jehovah's Witnesses who don't celebrate birthdays. They don't celebrate birthdays. They don't celebrate Christmas because their Jehovah is so insecure. Gabriel! celebrating a birthday they're more important than me you know so that's 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 literally why because no one should be more important than Jehovah on any given day honestly the Bible says that God rejoices over you with singing the Bible doesn't say he rejoices over himself with singing he rejoices over you with singing David wrote in Psalm 139 I am fearfully and wonderfully made when I look at the work of your hands it is marvelous. God, God wants you to rejoice. You should rejoice. You should have at least one day where everyone else stops and, and thanks God that you're here. Like your birthday, absolutely. Ah, oh, well, just my birthday. No, no, no. You, absolutely. Your life is worth celebrating. You should have good friends that celebrate with you on that day. They should take you to your favorite restaurant and buy you gifts celebrate you, write something nice in your card to tell you how valuable, how important, how special, how precious you are. The Bible says a man is valued by what others say of him. A man is valued by what others say of him. Never underestimate the power of your words. Never underestimate the power of some kind words in a card. And then I would just say, don't even wait for their birthday. Well, their birthday's not till October. I guess I'll wait till then. You know, write a card, write a note, you know, tell somebody. But let's but celebrate. Celebrate on a on a on a regular basis. The world is looking for life. Sadly, they look for life in things that make them die. They think that what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. They carry it with them. The guilt, the hangover of guilt and shame follows them afterwards. The world thinks it's, it's in drugs or it's in something illicit or whatever. Life is you go out after church to a great restaurant. You're laughing, you're goofing off and you're eating great food and you're with your besties and that's, that's life. That you go away out into the desert and you're riding four-wheelers with, you know, that's life. You, or, you know, life is you, you convince your, your Padawan to run across a, a minefield and climb into an Israeli tank. <laughs> Pastor David Chittick. <laughs> or you convince Connor Mead to get up on a, on a you know, a, a, a two and a half thousand year aqueduct and do a backflip. And in the middle of doing a backflip, he, he crumbles a two and a half thousand year edifice. Especially when the sign says, do not climb on there. You know, the little things like that. Hey, I, I'm out of time. But let me just say this. <laughs> I, I, I honestly, I love our team. And you guys, you, you guys have, have really kind of caught the, the fact that we, we absolutely work hard. And, uh, and I, I love how hard our team works. But I love the fact that, that 
you guys know how to also celebrate and how to also, you know, enjoy and have fun and drink great wine and have great food and, and you know, all of that kind of stuff. For me, the highlight of Israel this year, and it was, it was amazing. It was eight days of just every day mind-blowing. But for me, the highlight, honestly, was I was with 44 of, to me, just trophy people in our church. Like I loved being, for me, it was experiencing it with the Higginbottoms, with, you know, Lance and Alicia and John and Becky, or now I'm in trouble. Drew was there, Drew and I. I mean, the stuff that he was doing without his wedding, if lucky Emma wasn't there. And uh, not really, but, uh, you know, uh, it was just, honestly, it was just amazing. It was absolutely amazing, you know. Beautiful Ernest and his beautiful wife, Elsie, and get up the first day, walk down to the Sea of Galilee, and there he is with his camera all set up, ready to capture the, the sunrise. And, and uh, for me, I just loved it, drinking wine, goofing off, laughing. You know, Shabbat is... There's a reason it's called Shabbat. <laughs> You couldn't get coffee on Shabbat. I'm like, why can't you get coffee? And there's a woman here grinding. But that's not work. But pushing a button to make an espresso is work because it's, it, the, the Bible says in Leviticus, thou shalt not light a fire on the Sabbath. And pushing a button, that's why they don't drive on the Sabbath because you know, it takes a spark to, to ignite the fuel. And so that's, they don't drive. It's Shabbat. I'm walking around going, this is Shabbat, all right. And, uh, and uh, so we had, to, we had to survive the Sabbath, didn't we? we oh, it was horrible. You couldn't find coffee. You couldn't find meat and eggs. It couldn't, you know, didn't do. Everything was cold. It was horrible. Anyway, so we got through Shabbat, which is meant to be, you know, the day where everything stops and you worship the Lord. It was like the day of the week. And uh, we couldn't wait for Shabbat to be over so we could, coffee! Woo-hoo! And uh, but I absolutely loved it. So, so isn't it amazing, like just in that little passage, Deuteronomy 26, there's just six things there that are just so synonymous with, you know, who we are as C3 in our culture. Just turn your palms towards heaven. Let me pray over you. Father, we've gone quite a little bit over, but Father, I just pray for the blessing of God. Father, I thank you for the hand of God. That we would be people, Lord God, that, that remember that you're a God who is faithful and that you keep your promises. Father, we remember that strength is always developed in adversity. That you take us through the valley. You take us through difficulty. David went through Goliath to ascend to the throne. That you take us through battles. You take us through things to put prayer, to put warfare, to teach tithing, generosity, forgiveness, loyalty, honor, faith can only be developed in, in those seasons of difficulty, challenge, and affliction. Father, we thank you that you're a God of deliverance, that, that it's not normal to continue to be living in oppression, to continue to be living without, to con be continue living with struggle or sickness or disease or, or dysfunction in the home. That's not normal. That's not normal. That you're a God of deliverance. You deliver us from you take us to a land flowing with milk and honey. Take us to a place of peace. Father, and I thank you, Lord God, that worship isn't the packing peanuts, that it is the main event. It is the treasure trove. 
that we, that we were created to worship you. And Father, we love to worship you. And Father, I thank you, Lord God, for a team that knows how to celebrate. The team that knows how to celebrate. And I pray, Father God, that we would see it as a value to learn what it is to be a good friend. We know that our friendships are a direct result of our ability to be a good friend. If we don't learn, if we don't master the skills and the craft of being a good friend, we'll find ourselves very, very lonely. We can be busy doing things for God, but we can be so lonely because we've never cultivated great friendships. I pray, Father, every single person in this room today, would their lives would just be filled with laughter, the best friends, the best fun, the best outings, the best times, the best celebrations on their birthdays. That, that again, just like you, Lord Jesus, we would be accused. We would be accused of that C3 church. Oh, they're the party church. They're always hanging out with the wine bibbers, the tax collectors, and the drunkards. I don't know if I want to hang out with the IRS just quietly. So scratch that. But, you know. But, Father, bless these beautiful people, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our pastors, team, and what we do at C3 Church San Diego, go to c3sandiego.com.